Welcome to NHASCD Spotlight. It's our podcast from the New Hampshire Association for Supervision and Curriculum Development. My name is Bill Carosa, the Executive Director. Before we introduce our guest today, I want to remind listeners of some of our professional development this year, October 26th, we had Peter DeWitt coming in. Uh, we're co-sponsoring that with the New Hampshire Association of School Principals. Peter's going to be talking about his book, De-Implementation, Creating the Space to Focus on What Works. Uh, that's down in Nashua. And of course, you can go on to nhascd.org for more information. Peter Lugidal is coming in for a webinar, November 21 and 22. And of course, we have our big K-8 math conference at the Graponi Center in Concord uh, on March 22nd. That's a long ways from now, but you can still uh, sign up for that conference at nhased.org. And of course, the most important conference coming up uh, real soon, in fact, is the person I've got on my Zoom screen right now. Stephen Tur is coming in October 5, uh, all about achievement teams, a better approach to PLCs. It's also at the Graponi Center. Again, October 5th. And for more information, well, listen to this podcast coming up right now, but also uh, register at nhased.org. Uh, well, Steve is the president and lead consultant at Advanced Collaborative Solutions, a well-known author and a sought-after conference speaker and consultant. He's a former elementary and secondary teacher. He's worked as a school principal and superintendent. He's published multiple books and articles, regularly presents and keynotes at global education events. We were just talking about some of the events he's doing right after uh, he sees us in Concord. Uh, he's really passionate about helping school-based leaders instill a, a culture uh, grounded in collective teacher efficacy. We'll talk about John Hattie and his work uh, through his flagship work achievement teams. Uh, he's helped really countless educators improve their teaching practice as a former educator in the classroom, as well as administrator. I know Steve cares so much about kids and and their progress. Uh, he's the author of Engaged Instruction, Thriving Classrooms in the Age of Common Core, uh, and Activate, a Leader's Guide to People, Practices, and Processes. And most important, he's the author of Achievement Teams, How a Better Approach to PLCs Can Improve Student Outcomes and Collective Efficacy. It's on ASCD. And by the way, if you register for this conference and there's still plenty of space, you get a free copy of his book, uh, Achievement Teams. He's zooming from the West Coast where it's early morning. I guess it's what, about 8 o'clock, 8.15 there. But my guess, Steve, is you went for your morning run already. Am I right on that? Yeah. Yeah. Good morning, Bill. Yeah, I was up. I actually had another meeting with um, some folks in West Virginia, and that was at 530 California time. So I'm, I've already been going after this already. You West Coast people must really get used to getting up early. Hey, we know from our friend John Hattie, who, by the way, wrote the foreword to your book, Achievement Teams, and he was also a former guest on this podcast, that collective teacher efficacy is probably the highest key to positive student achievement. So, Steve, what led you to design sort of a better version of PLCs that you call um, achievement teams? You know, thanks for the question, Bill. It's actually been evolving for several years. You know, when I first started consulting, um, a mentor of mine was Dr. Douglas Reeves, and I worked for the Leadership and Learning Center. And at that time, we were uh, doing a lot of work called data teams. And data teams was similar to this, which was a bookend pre-post assessment cycle system, but data teams didn't focus on as much reflection as we wanted teachers to do. In other words, we think the assessments are more of a reflection of the teacher's effort than the students. And so we wanted to use what Hattie discovered about formative evaluation and other findings from visible learning to infuse it with a four-step process that literally has a beginning, middle, and end. So people can have a high-functioning PLC in about 45 or 50 minutes and literally appropriate new knowledge about teaching and learning, not maintain existing knowledge, 
and at the same time, sensitively challenging current thinking and practice. We think that is a really strong, powerful collab collaborative protocol, and it literally promotes collective efficacy, which has been watered down to, everybody says, when two or more people meet, we have collective feature efficacy, and that's not what the definition is of collective efficacy. It's more that um, we believe that we can positively affect the lives of the students we serve. And we do that together and with passion and rigor. So um, this, those were some of the foundational pieces that um, Michelle and I were working off of when we wrote the book. And we literally wanted it to be so um, uh, a part of the visible learning findings. And so we built the visible learning. We, we found six super factors from visible learning that we literally embedded into this process. And that's a little bit about where it came from. If I was still a principal, as I was a couple of years ago, you know, we established PLCs. And, and frankly, Rick and Becky Dufour coming in through NHASCD was sort of the impetus. I said different teams the two different times they came in and they were powerful through the years. But I, I even saw toward the end of my time there, they, they just needed a, a kick in the tail a little bit. And because the concept obviously is built around collective teacher efficacy, and I'm not sure this is the rationale for your work as much as from my perspective as a as a former school leader, it just seems like your work, I've read much of your book, is really an update, a, a way to to bring teams in and say, okay, listen, guys, a lot of times PLCs become nice discussions and nice mm -hmm. places to talk about field trips but not necessarily focused on achievement. So it, was that in your mind a little bit as you're writing the book, you and Michelle, your wife? Yeah, that's completely true. We, we listen, we're not even arguing or, or not arguing. We're not questioning the research about PLCs and how they sure. came about. You know, what we decided to do is, and what we discovered was, is the gap that lays between what the research says and the actual implementation. So we decided to come up with a process. And the feedback we get is teachers will tell us like, well, finally, we know what we're supposed to be doing. Like we collect and chart some assessment results and we set a SMART goal and then we analyze our data and pick strategies that have the highest um, probability of making a difference. All that works really well instead of just telling people, here's your 50 minute PLC time, see what you can do with it. The more structure we added, the better the meeting went. And it's actually called disciplined collaboration, but it's actually supposed to be fun. I mean, there, people should be looking forward to sharing ideas with each other. And um, that's where we decided to essentially update it. Visible learning and the findings weren't around when we first started doing this work. I think John was working on that, but we didn't have the results. And by the way, it was hard for me to even understand what that research was about until I actually looked at the methodology, what was control versus treatment. Well, once we saw all the effects from the Hattie research, we thought, oh my gosh, this is a perfect fit for collaboration and then infusing the probability of things that work the best. And so we we thought about that deeply. And I love the way you said it. it's like, it's an update. I mean, PLCs are fantastic, but if there's no process, if there's no discipline, they don't, there's no value. And so that's where we set out to, to create a process that's engaging and it's a collaborative protocol that's easy to do. What have you found? You must see, have some data and some examples of schools that have used your achievement team work and, and really found great results. Yeah, well, we have a, there's actually a white paper on our website that one of our client districts had written up for us about what it has actually added value, what it's done for their system. And, you know, the what we find is that when I, I think, Bill, you know this, you're a former principal, so am I. 
an initiative has to be led, not sponsored. And so a lot of times back in the day when I was a principal, I would just tell people we're going to learn how to do this, but I never actually led it. The schools that have the greatest success are with superintendents and principals who learn alongside the people that are asking to implement this, not simply sponsor or send people to a training. So we feel like, you know, if you know it as well as your teachers, then you can help facilitate it, not run the meeting, but facilitate it. So, to, I mean, the, you can talk to Michelle, too. We, we will be mentioning this when we get there, that the greatest indicator of implementation is how building leadership actually leads this and the level of clarity they demonstrate to their teachers about what exactly do we do together with this. Then we see it coming together. But, you know, as well as I do. If there's no direction, if there's no inspiration, if there's no modeling, if there's no facilitating, then people do what they think you want us to do. And so it's explicit leadership that gets this thing off the ground, not an implicit wish that we talk better about, you know, how we improve achievement. And those were some of the key factors, again, we discovered, which was like our, we, Vivian Robinson did a best evidence synthesis about leadership and the highest contribution to school success had a 0.91 effect size is when principals learned with teachers. And when they actually were attending the training, they were sitting in the front row, they weren't buried in their laptops in the back trying to do other work. So we constantly have to remind our participants, leaders make the difference um, because the teachers need to have someone tell them, here's the expectation. And now I'm gonna show you how we can actually meet that goal. Just really simple, but it's hard because leaders are so busy. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the number one indicator, Bill, when we look at this, like what makes the difference culturally, the building principal or the superintendent, depending on, you know, if it's an instructional leader. When we look at our podcasts, as well as our conferences, we have a variety of people who come. And I think we know that great initiatives can occur in many different ways. Let, let's talk to particular people that are listening right now. How about the teacher who's in a school where their PLCs or their their teams are are nice places to be. Again, they, as I like to say, they talk about field trips. They talk about that one student that's driving them crazy. But you know, she really wants a school where they're talking about achievement. They're talking about data. Uh, why is this workshop on October fifth coming up real soon? A wonderful place for a teacher uh, to be that day. Yeah, because I, I think it answers the question that you just just put forward, there's um, a place in the meeting where people really focus on the evidence they've collected and then made a conscientious decision to try to actually improve that evidence. This is the thing that I, I think is the best about it, Bill. I think if you and I gave a pre-assessment together, we're on the same team, and the results made us feel uncomfortable because it wasn't what we wanted them to do. I mean, the whole purpose of achievement teams is to tell teachers, if you wanna make that discomfort go away, then all we have to do is change our instructional actions. And then you can see that we'll get better results. So I feel like when we get to the third step of this, there are four specific questions. I know solution trained PLCs have questions. We've designed the questions based on visible learning. They're more reflective. Um, and then this is where people again, start looking internally about what they could do differently and improve. So we have these things called baseline evidence statements. Now you can do this with a, with a very um, traditional Ishikawa fishbone diagram, like put the, um, uh, the problem in the head of the fish, lift all the causes. But we ask people to think about um, what parts 
of the assessment actually happened to be the most promising and what was the teach the teaching connected to those results so there's a conscientious trace back to the data you collect and what were the antecedents that caused those results not just putting kids in blue green yellow and red and then saying some of these kids got it some kids didn't there's a little more accountability than that there's more about well what were the actions that preceded those results that either yielded kids who are progressing or kids that are excelling that's where the that's where the power is and normally teachers are pretty good at identifying those things when they have the time and when they've been coached and so we think that's the way to actually improve meetings with a more reflective style instead of a more judgment style and so this is the things that that we ask when we ask teachers what strengths and gaps do the assessment results show that's a deep dive question that's not supposed to be a surface level answer and um, then we even go deeper with asking what skills the verb and the standard and concepts the nouns were actually achieved and what were not these are very intentional deep dives so we try to move the meeting from a very surface level kind of discussion to a deeper root cause level of uh, of discussion. And that actually then, Bill, drives the better decisions about instruction. As I mentioned before, it's super, I think it's very intentional. And if you ask me, most teachers want more structure. Um, they, they desire that. They want more clarity and they want more structure. Then I think they're they have better functioning and higher functioning PLCs. Let's say you're a principal who just took over a new school and it's a nice school. It's not a school in crisis necessarily, but maybe the word nice is probably the, the operant word here because again, everybody gets along. Uh, the There's good instruction happening, but somehow it's just not focused on on achievement. What would you say to the, the principal in terms of heading to your, your workshop on October 5th? Yeah, and in terms of like focusing on just that achievement, I think what the principals have to do is determine where the greatest need is in the building and then focus on those for their PLCs. Can't focus on everything in a PLC. Yeah. In achievement teams, we ask teachers to go deeper with a fewer learning targets than to superficially cover everything. And even in high functioning schools, there are still pockets of um, students and teachers that are struggling um, to get proficiency. So what happens there is like the principal needs a laser-like focus on where would be the greatest need and then focus on that greatest need in those meetings. We know some teams try to PLC around math and ELA and science and social studies all at the same time. If you're a, if you're a say a traditional classroom elementary teacher and our thing is no, we need to go deeper with fewer topics and standards and really take a look at unwrapping a target that has a lot of impact. You know, the, the term power standards is very common. And we always tell principals, you know, the way you pick a power standard in third grade is to understand that it'll let those kids enter fourth grade with a confidence and readiness to learn. So these are some of the things principals could actually use um, in terms of advancing the collaboration and knowing like where exactly do they need to focus on? Because it's too big. I mean, it's, it's like a mile wide and an inch deep. We have to go from a floodlight to a flashlight. And then all of a sudden, things start becoming more in focus. And you know, as well as I do, Bill, that with our principal friends, we have to help them understand that frantic coverage of everything does not lead to better results. It's going deeper with fewer when we start seeing actually market gains. And so um, 
that would be some advice I give to principals where it's a great place. The culture's healthy. If the culture's healthy, then we focus on impact. I mean, that's pretty good straight away. If you got a healthy culture um, and there's labor peace, then the only thing we should be focusing on is productivity focus. And for principals, most of the conversations that they have with their teachers should be instructionally based. And off we go. Yeah. And I know you do more than just do conferences. You work with districts and you work hand in hand with with teachers and principals. Is there a sense of urgency that is beyond urgency right now? A little bit of of panic? I I don't know if it's post-COVID, especially in elementary schools. Are you seeing that? Yeah, there is some post-COVID panic. It's it's three years after. We think this is the best time of the year for a full reset. I have been watching teachers and administrators give grace to kids the last three years. We've bent over backwards to try to get this, right. this caught up. But I think it's time to go back to more accountability for our students and help them understand that learning does not occur unless there's challenge. And right now, because of post-COVID, kids got away from challenge. It was already a problem before COVID. It's even been more amplified now. And I think what achievement teams helps is to give students assessments that are challenging, but yield enough information that teachers can make some really good inferences about what those results are saying. But yeah, there's still a little bit of a funk post COVID, especially if some of these kids went through it. Um, Teachers are just now reporting that they're getting close to um, whatever normal is, Bill. But like a normal functioning place. But I think that our kids picked up a ton of bad habits during COVID. And one of them is that they don't want to put forth enough effort. Um, And then we have to teach them effort management. And that also happens through this process. I'm going to answer this question probably in my question, but I'd love you to elaborate on it. It seems like your approach to achievement teams and the structure that teachers will experience as a result of it may actually lower the stress of teachers somewhat. You know, I'm seeing in the higher ed world, some really excited young, you know, sophomores, juniors, seniors, you know, students that are about to go into student teaching and they're excited about teaching, which is wonderful to see. And we want to, to encourage that, but obviously there's a lot of teachers, hence the the concept of de-implementation that are just either frustrated or just kind of, stressed out a little bit, not to be your marketer for here for you, but uh, it seems like your approach, your book, uh, the conference coming up on October 5th might actually lower the stress of teachers because it gives them some structure around how they can help their kids achieve. Oh, you're absolutely correct. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, it's designed (laughs) to actually find more time in the day to be effective, not less time. And the message to teachers is always well-received we always have to make our principals understand, Doug Reeves taught me this, for every new initiative we ask teachers to implement, we should be taking three things off their plate. Right. And let me tell you, if teams do a really good PLC following the achievement team protocol, they won't have to double down on other interventions. It's really an RTI model, tier one anyway. And so it should actually reduce the stress. It's all about them finding um, a sweet spot in terms of what would work best for them and their students. I think what actually lowers the stress is all the resources we supply, Bill. Like there's, you don't have to go anywhere. We have a 25 page instructional strategy flipbook that comes with the training. It's still on our website right now. Anybody can get to it. We have a data recording form that's a Google doc that actually calculates the SMART goal for the teachers automatically, tells them where they are, where they need to be. It organizes the data. It's completely visual with graphics. These are all things that we get feedback from teachers like you just made our day so much easier. 
So it's not only just the training, it's the resources that come with it. The book has QR codes in there, but all those QR codes link to our website. So whether you buy the book or not, you still have access to all these tools. There's success criteria for the meeting. Like if you and I did step one, collecting and charting data, there's four criteria for success that you could say, all right, that was a good first step if we did these four things. So they see all this clarity as they go down. And like, we've never seen anything like this. We've been left to our own devices to come up with our own forms. We have all that taken care of for them. Love the fact that you work with your wife, Michelle. That must be, you know, for instance, you get to travel together. I mean, there's a lot of advantages to it. And Michelle yeah. has a background. She's a master's degree. She has a background as a, a reading specialist, I believe, right? It, it, mm-hmm. She kind of comes from the literacy background. How is that? How is it such a real strength for your organization, the fact that the two of you work together? It got better when when Michelle joined us. I was a lone ranger going out traveling, got you know 1.7 million miles in the air. Wow. And when Michelle started looking and paying more close attention to what I was doing, she goes, you know, this would actually, from a teacher standpoint, actually have a lot more influence. So um, the bonus is she'll be there with us. She'll, um, you know, we, we if she's there, she co-presents with me and we do the, the work together. And so um, we're really happy that your folks can get a chance to meet her. But Michelle has 31 years classroom experience at the middle school level, mostly. And many of the ideas that we gleaned for the book and how to organize our ideas came from her because of her, you know, um, you know, grounded experience. So she brings a lot to the table. She's improved the process. The ideas that she has are um, very widely accepted by other educators because she's one of them. And the credibility factor is there, but the creativity is there too. So, um, you know, it just so happens that, you know, we're traveling together to do all this this work on the East Coast. And so, you know, it's just nice that she'll be with us. So she'll, she'll be at the training. And she'll be contributing. And I think people will uh, really appreciate some of the information she'll be sharing. We talked earlier about John Hattie. He kind of is part of the conversation here. He wrote the foreword to your your book. What sort of influence did he has he had personally? And and it's probably a pretty good honor to have, you know, John Hattie, probably one of the best researchers in in education right now, supporting your work. Oh, it meant everything, Bill. You know, I worked alongside Professor Hattie when I was a consultant with Corwin. I did many visible learning conferences um, with with Hattie. You know, there are foundation days for visible learning. And so, you know, of course, John would do the opening keynote. Then some of our consultants like Peter and myself were charged with doing breakouts around visible learning. But Professor Hattie is one of the most humble people I've ever met despite the fact that he might be the number one selling education author on the entire universe. Yes, I think, yeah. And he has the, the, he's conducted the largest summary of educational research that's ever been actually written about. He's approachable. I remember emailing him the manuscript and said, John, I know you're busy. Would this be possible? Um, the book is really based on what I've learned um, working with you and from you. And of course he writes this beautiful six page forward because he read it. I mean, you I mean, you don't even know like how that resonated with us. Like he actually read the book and captured everything from it. And we know a little bit about John. I mean, we know what he is um, a little bit, where, what he tries to avoid in education and what, what he's really attracted to. And John is, John is practice-based, not program-based. And John is about staff, not stuff. And so, of course, that motivated for us to say, this is not another program. This is based on some really, really amazing research. 
most of the time when we hook people with achievement teams, it's from John's work. If you have kids that need more than one year's worth of growth in one instructional year, the process is embedded with things that are designed to double the speed of progress. So his his influence on me was, was tremendous. As I mentioned before, him and Doug Reeves, probably the two biggest um, mentors I've ever had. And to be able to be personally connected with John is uh, actually kind of like you got to pinch myself sometimes. So he uh, he was just so gracious to do that for us. Without giving away too much, at the conference, what can we expect? What uh, what will it look like on October 5th? I mean, obviously, we have sort of the content, but what would that look like on, on that day? It's a, it's a completely experiential training. It's not death by PowerPoint. It's not sit and get. People get up we, we, and we move around. Um, we exchange ideas. And there's always process and application time. So once we deliver a key step, comes with an activity, and then teams um, are, are given time to turn and talk and discuss what they're learning. At the end of the day, we try to build in 30 to 45 minutes for teams to debrief and plan like next steps, like what would you do this training if you brought it home? But as I mentioned before, it comes with amazing resources and it comes with um, an experiential format that allows people to not only just look at it and um, and receive it, but actually put it into action. The fact that everybody gets the book means that they'll be able to do the jigsaw activities through the book. And we do in the afternoon, a very heavy dose of how to pick instructional strategies and show people the difference between um, surface deep and transfer learning. So there's a lot that comes with this. And um, uh, we, we think people have enough ideas to, to really go back home and say, hey, I have an idea to improve our PLCs. And the, and the spirit bill is take what you like, leave what you don't. But here are the the um, the tools and the learning that'll take place that'll add value. Another value that teachers, educators will receive on October 5 is a copy of the book, Achievement Teams, How a Better Approach to PLCs Can Improve Student Outcomes and Collective Efficacy. How does that book coexist with the work they're going to see on October 5th? Oh, everything, because the the um, the four step protocol each has a dedicated chapter like well, chapters five, six, seven and eight are, are about, well, you know, collecting and charting data, setting goals, analyzing data, selecting strategies. Um, and there are even some pre chapters we go to another another training to do a lot is teacher clarity. I, mean, I do a lot of learning intention success criteria seminars across the country. So there are chapters um, prior to we get into the work, which is around teacher clarity. We won't have time to do a lot of teacher clarity work um, in October, but those are some of the the um, prerequisite skills that we usually um, have people read about at least when they do the jigsaw and they'll learn a little bit more about how success criteria can dramatically increase achievement. It has a 0.85 effect size as most recently um, when we looked at John's um, sequel to visible learning. So they'll, have a book that not only can be read cover to cover, Bill, you know how this works. You go to the page you want, you go to the index and you find out what you need. And eventually maybe you'll get through the whole thing. I mean, it's not that long. It's only 160 pages, but um, I think the book is a tool that you can refer to over and over and over again. It's not a book on systems or theory. It's a book about implementation and action. That's great. If people want to learn more about you besides coming on, on October 5, uh, where should they go, uh, Steve? Yeah, it's just steveventura.com, um, steveventura.com. You can search for advanced collaborative solutions, but 
the the URL is stevenventura.com. And there people can click on our resources link, um, learn more about the book and some of the other offerings that we, um, you know, delve into. But that would be the best place. It's a nice, comprehensive website. It's uh, easy to navigate, has all the information there. Plan on a great day. Uh, again, October 5 at the Groponi Center, Conference Center in Concord, New Hampshire. Steve Ventura with Achievement Teams, A Better Approach to PLCs. And you get a copy of his book, Achievement Teams, How a Better Approach to PLCs Can Improve Student Outcomes and Collective Efficacy. Hey, Steve, thanks for calling in from the West Coast and, and your time. This was fun. Yeah, thank you, Bill. I really appreciate the time as well. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. And we promise a really, really great, engaging day of learning. Well, for more information on NHASCD and our conference series, including Steve on October 5, head to our website, nhascd.org, and you can follow us on Twitter X, Facebook, and Instagram. Our mission is to serve as a catalyst for conversation and action to inspire excellence in teaching, learning, and leading. You can contact me at bill at nhascd.org. I'm Bill Carosa, Executive Director, and we'll see you next time for New Hampshire ASCD Spotlight. Take care, everybody.